An American journalist and author by the name Robert Wright wrote that human beings are a species splendid in their array of moral equipment, tragic in their propensity to misuse it, and pathetic in their constitutional ignorance of the misuse. Humans are very good at challenging the beliefs of other people, but when it comes to their own beliefs, they tend to protect them and not challenge them at all. A consistent finding of psychological research is that humans are fairly accurate in their perceptions of others, but generally inaccurate in their perception of themselves. Humans tend to judge others by their behavior, but think that they have special information about themselves and what they are really like inside, and thus effortlessly find ways to explain away any selfish acts and maintain this illusion that they may be better than others. It's this very illusion that sparks the ever-hated persona of being a hypocrite, or what I like to call a seedless grape. Stay tuned for more on the next episode of Uncorked. So they say natural selection works by the principle of survival of the fittest, right? And several researchers have actually shown that humans evolve to play the game of life in a Machiavellian type of way. And for those who don't know, Niccolo Machiavelli was a well-known author and philosopher and historian. Okay? He actually noted that the mass of mankind accept what seems as what is. Nay, are often touched more nearly by appearance than by reality. So I wanted to dig into this idea of what a seedless grape is. A seedless grape to me is just someone who has the potential to bear fruit, but doesn't have what it takes on the inside to actually do so. Um, The best way to cultivate a reputation for fairness one would believe to be actually fair, right? If you wanted to cultivate a reputation for fairness, you would think that you would have to just actually be fair. But since it's much harder to actually be fair than it is to just seem fair, and since laziness is built deep into the human nature, and I want to say all human nature, even louder for the people in the back, yes, Laziness is built deep into the very fibers of all human nature. Not now one of us was born ready for responsibility, ready to take on work. And even after life may have taught us a little bit about what it might take for certain luxuries, our genetic makeup still does have to this day some lazy remnants in it. Debate your mama. I don't want to argue with you. Okay. But because we often become spoiled or entitled to certain amenities, we will put in just enough work to make it look like we're doing a little better than the next person. And why? Well, because humans more often choose appearance over reality. And they truly expect to be revered for it as well. Like, make no mistake. I will demand you give excellence, even when I know I'm only willing to give mediocrity. Yes, 
you do need to forgive others for indiscretions, especially me when I'm in the hot seat. But please, please do not expect me to extend the same grace, respect, or honor to those whom I'm empowered to forgive or not to forgive. After all, fool me once, eh, I can't get fooled again. Well, these are just a few things I've heard and said in the past and had to think about lately. Like, um, wait a second. Either I'm going to take a stance for this or against this, but I can no longer be on the fence wavering or being hypocritical on these subjects. Most recently, and, and I'll just give you a little bit more context. Most recently, I had experienced a pretty tough bout with depression that I feel like only I realized was becoming a big issue. People on the outside, they had no idea, or at least maybe it didn't seem like it. They may or may not have known. I don't know. They didn't mention it to me if they did. Either way, it started to get pretty bad to a point where I really didn't want to leave my house. Like I just, I treated the outdoors like we were still in March of 2020. I didn't go outside unless I absolutely had to. I despise getting dressed. Because not only did it mean I'd have to do something with my extra thick, needs a deep condition, hot oil treatment, relaxer, and a trim hair, but it also meant I would have to deal with seeing the extra 25 pounds that I gained over the past few months. Now, I've never, never been skinny. So this is definitely not about becoming a big girl because please. But I will say there is something really sad about waking up one day and just not recognizing the image in the mirror like you see your face you know it's you but you feel like the you you've always known before is now being choked out you know somehow you're getting lost in a body bag that doesn't fit you and it's not just about the way that you look or the way that your body looks it's about the way you you start to feel you know you start exhausting a lot faster than you normally would when doing average activities like trying to haul six bags of groceries all at once to avoid a second trip from the car I used to do it all the time no problem but now it's like I started feeling like I'm 66 years old or older and the reality is I'm actually half that and I definitely have no real reason to be as winded as I actually am I mean I can't blame baby weight for that my baby is already 99 months old I can't blame the pandemic because when everyone else gained their COVID-19, that was during quarantine. And we've been allowed to be outside for over a year now. So, you know, and it wasn't just until a few weeks ago that I actually decided, oh, I'm going to add a workout routine to eating in addition to eating better. Before that, I had literally tried everything but that. I tried keto. I tried to transition to vegan. That lasted about 21 days, you know, just in time for the Daniels fast. That was about it. Then I tried the Master Cleanse, also known as the Lemonade Fast. For those who don't know, that is literally water, lemon juice, maple syrup, and hot sauce. That's your meal. Six to ten or twelve times a day. That's that's what you're eating. Tried that. Tried intermittent fasting. Then tried actual fasting, just not eating at all. And lastly, a social media friend put me onto Herbalife. During these diet plans... And not just with the diet plans, but even, you know, outside of them, I would be in small group settings where I'm encouraging others to be proud of who they are, to love themselves and what they look like. 
the younger ladies, I would encourage them to honor themselves daily because they're gifts to God or gifts, um, God's gift to earth. I would push the message that they deserve to be loved on and well taken care of. And I truly do believe that even even to this day, I still do. I believe that. But the problem was I had stopped believing it for myself. I wanted so badly to. I did. But I just couldn't figure out how to get back into self-care mode. I started letting things slip, just randomly letting things slip first around me and then within me. I allowed myself to stay in places where I didn't feel welcomed or accepted. I was just tolerated. And then I started to tolerate being tolerated and all that comes along with that. I don't know if you've ever been there before, but, you know, when you're allowed to be in a certain space, a particular environment, but your presence isn't really, it's not really respected that you're there. You know, maybe your skills are needed for something. Maybe someone else dropped the ball and they they know you to pull things together nicely, or even if it's just to fill an empty space. So now you're a needed number. Been there, you know, been there so many times. And not only did I... Not only did I allow myself to suffer in silence in those moments, but there were times before those moments could even happen that I had the nerve to volunteer for them. I would literally go as far as being one of the first to raise my hand to help out, often with things that had little or nothing to do with me. Because of one main factor, I know what it feels like to have a need unmet. I know and remember all too well what it's like to need help and not have access to it or having access to it, but not getting it. I know what that is like. And so my trauma response for many years had become people pleasing. I hate the term people pleasing. I really, I absolutely despise that term, but it is what it is. That is exactly what it is. That had become my trauma response to growing up, having certain needs unmet. And constantly trying to meet someone else's need in hopes that it would somehow fulfill my previous unmet need to feel valued above everything else. And just just a note to any parent listening. Let me just repeat that once again. My trauma response for many years had become people-pleasing. Why? Because I was hoping that I would somehow fulfill a previous unmet need to feel valued. So please, parents listening, let your children know that they are valuable. Start as early as you possibly can. Yes, it's nice to hear about how pretty you are, how handsome or smart you are, but there is nothing greater, nothing greater than hearing about you being truly valuable to God, to your family, to your friends, to this world. Let them know that they possess something that only God himself could have given them, you know, and that he gave it to them so that they can share it with the world. The world did not give it to them, so the world cannot take it away. Share that piece of information with them. Let them know that they are God's gift to to this earth. 
This makes a huge difference. No, it's not going to big their head up. No, it's not going to make them conceited. No, it's not going to do those things. What it's going to do is going to help to establish a level of confidence in themselves that they're going to need. They're going to need to survive some of this, this craziness that happens as they become adults. I'm telling you, it would make a huge difference. You know, much bigger of an impact than telling them about their looks, you know, or the money that they could potentially make if they get good grades or the right job or starting the right business or how popular they could be amongst the ladies or amongst the guys. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with admiring our babies because (laughs) I'm a step for mine. But make sure, make sure that they know that they are valued amongst everything else. Nothing else should matter as much when it comes to complimenting them as reminding them that they are here destined with purpose and that they are extremely valuable. So let me get back, get back into what's going on here. So boom, I let my presence be taken for granted. And then I did something else. I stopped telling where it hurt. I could be sitting at the edge of my bed at one, two in the morning barely able to physically catch my breath because I'm having a severe meltdown because of the pressure that life has over me at that time, staring at muscle relaxers and painkillers and thinking, should this be my last night? Because I just, I can't take another day, another day. I can't take another day like this. Nope, not like this. But then I'll close my eyes I'll consult with God before I make any sudden moves. And finally, I'll be able to go to sleep. And then I'll wake up the next day and carry on like normal. Helping others work through their issues. Helping others with their issues. And being supportive to those who need any type of help, whether they ask or not. Praying for everybody I know. And trying to be a blessing to anyone that I possibly can. That's what a day after a mental breakdown would look like. So no one would actually know anything. No one would, would think anything different than what I hypocritically encourage them to think and believe, which is that I'm fine. I'm practicing self-care and not allowing negativity near me when in fact I'm isolating and I am the negativity and not for reasons that some would assume. You know how you hate us be like, oh, you've been negative. No, not for reasons that some would assume, but more so for the fact that I betrayed myself. And I betrayed myself simply because everybody else was doing so. They didn't talk to me nice, so then I didn't talk to me nice. They didn't cherish me, so then I didn't cherish me. They treated me like I wasn't worth it, so I started acting like I wasn't worth it. I had literally become the negativity that I was surrounded by. I had become it. And the crazy part is because people people love to look at you and say what's wrong with you and tell you, you know, how negative you are. If you dare, dare show any sign of distress in life, you automatically become the negative one, right? If you disagree with anyone, if you have any thoughts about anything, if you, if you just say anything that's just not in line with what the masses are saying at that moment, 
you will automatically be deemed as wrong. You will auto- automatically be made as the negative one. And the sad part is because when you're surrounded by it for so long, after a while, you won't even need someone else to 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 be negative towards you. You will start to become that negative voice to yourself. You will. You will start to become that to yourself. You will start to invalidate your own feelings and emotions. You will start to invalidate your own experiences. You will start to talk to yourself like, you know, like you are your worst enemy. And it's really sad. Really sad because one of the saddest things for me and worst parts for me was that I didn't even realize I was doing it. I didn't even realize it for a while. I could not see that I was becoming the negativity that I was surrounded by. You see, from a child to an adult, I was one of those kids who unabashedly would tell you where you had me messed up. Like it, it didn't always come out in the right words. Sometimes I threw hands or chairs or a table or whatever because I wasn't aware for a, a while of a more effective way of communicating. But I still always knew when I was being mistreated, even around or especially around age eight or nine, where I wasn't really shy anymore, I would let somebody know right off the bat, like, no, I'm being mistreated. This is unfair and I don't like it. Matter of fact, this this can't happen. This is going to stop right now, right here. Fast forward into my adulthood after some experiences and disappointments and letdowns and all of that, and I started to really lose my fight back. I can recall a conversation with my therapist even about maybe a year ago, And she was just kind of like, it seems to me like you're just kind of giving up. It seems to me like you're just, you're kind of losing the fight a bit. And I could not think of why at the time I didn't feel like I was necessarily, like I was giving up because I'm like, I'm still here. I'm not, you know, I'm not feeling suicidal. I'm, I'm not feeling depressed at that very moment. I was just like, you know, I'm regular right now. I'm just regular. I just don't have... I guess I just don't have as much of a fight left in me anymore. Even when I knew that I was on the right side of something, and I'm not saying that I'm always right, but there will be times where I had facts, actual facts about something, and I wouldn't even say it or share it because it just started to seem irrelevant to me, to be honest about anything. Because in this day and age with so many people being misled on a daily basis, the moment that you say anything different, you're automatically wrong. Like I said, you're automatically made wrong. And it goes back to what I mentioned about the author in the beginning. Niccolo Machiavelli noted these very words, and I'll say them again, the mass of mankind accept what seems as what is. Nay are often touched more nearly by appearances than by actual realities. What he's saying is that the truth won't matter to a lot of people because the lie is often very convincing. And I have to say he is absolutely right. Even Charlemagne the God from The Breakfast Club, whenever he says this, I totally agree. Because with this this age of social media and internet or just this age period, even without the internet, so many people are perpetrating one way or another I could literally tell someone that the sky is blue and someone will argue me down that it's not. 
it's not blue because around five o'clock it changes to this and it changes to that and six o'clock it does this and seven o'clock it does that nah but my statement is only the sky is blue did i lie absolutely not could it be a proven fact absolutely but i would be argued down and the masses will defend the other person with the opposing view just because the argument in itself sounds so compelling so it becomes so much easier you know to just not even argue not even attempt an argument to just try to avoid the argument at all costs or so i believed at that moment for a while you know and i would just say the easy thing how you doing i'm okay rather than explaining no i'm i'm not okay i'm hurt And here's where. And here's why. Because then the person asking, how are you? How you doing? How you feeling? Are you okay? They may actually be forced to listen. And to listen without bias. And without judgment or defense. And I was and am far too aware that those are some things that are extremely hard for most people. So when asked, I would say again. I'm okay, I'm fine, or I'm doing. Somebody said, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing. Or the, or no, no reply at all. I would say nothing at all until I felt like I had something good to share. You ever had somebody hit you up and ask you how's life going? And if it ain't going well, you just kind of like, you know, disregard the text. I've done that. I don't know who anybody else has ever done, but I have disregarded it because let me get back to you when, when life is good again. Let me respond to you. Let me tell you what's going on when I have some good news to share. I don't have no good news to share right now. Yeah, I know. I know we were supposed to link, but I didn't link you. I didn't call you because right now I'm kind of dealing with a lot. And you just aren't going to understand. You're not going to understand what I'm going through. So I'm not even going to attempt to share that with you. I'm not even going to attempt to share that with you. And I realize now, I do, I realize now that the problem is not other people always. It's not. A lot of times it's not. The problem was really truly me in this instance because I saw it as me needing to handle my own stuff and not being worthy of a support system. Like I I knew I wanted one. I wanted one. I needed one. But I didn't believe I was worthy of one. I didn't believe that I was worthy enough to have someone that I could reach out to in the midnight hour and physically cry to. Sure, I could pray, and I often did. Me and God, we we tight. But to wake up someone else out of their sleep and actually have someone to share that moment of, I just need to break. I need a moment where I could just break down for a second and not be judged for this in the morning. Like, I just need a moment of, of, of transparency. I need this moment to be candid with someone. I didn't feel like I was worthy of having that option, even though I wanted that option. You know, even though I wanted that option, I didn't necessarily believe that I could have it. Somewhere in me, something just made me feel like you're not good enough for it. You know, like you're like you're not good enough for it. Like, don't 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 do that. Don't don't wake nobody up out of their sleep. You know, don't or if it's not 
during the nighttime, if it's during the day, you know, don't don't interrupt somebody else's good mood with your troubled heart. Don't expect someone to have your back, whether anyone's looking or not, you know, like that kind of thing. I, I, I wanted my greater heart of hearts wanted to know that I had somebody that would have my back regardless of who's looking regardless of who's there, who's not, regardless of what's up or what's down. Somebody that's going to literally ride for me till the wheels fall off. And not just because of a need that's in lack of theirs, but because they truly do know me. They truly do know me and they truly have taken the time to understand me and where I'm at and where I'm going and my potential and how far I could go and what I've come from and what I've come through. And they're willing to stand with me, to stand with me. When I'm too weak to stand for myself, they're willing to stand for me. I didn't think I deserved that. And so I didn't receive it. And don't get me wrong, again, it's not that I didn't want it. I wanted that badly. I just didn't buy that I could have it. And I would literally be screaming on the phone in the inside. Like, if I am on the phone with someone, I would be screaming from help, for help on the inside to people who I'm actually vocally offering my help to. Screaming out in agony on the inside, but with no sound on the outside. So the other person on the other line they wouldn't hear any anything. They don't they're not even catching a wince of my pain, you know? So they're able to just make their requests known, no problems, no issues, no whatever. And I would literally feel like I'm dying. I would feel like I'm drowning and nobody can hear me. Nobody sees me. Nobody understands. And I can't raise my hands to say, "Hey, help me" because I'm supposed to be the one that's strong. I'm supposed to be stronger than this. I'm supposed to be able to help other people. How can I wave my hands when I'm supposed to now be better? How can I say that I'm slipping, I'm falling, I'm drowning here when I'm supposed to be better? So then I didn't. I didn't wave my hands. I didn't wave my hands. I didn't throw flag up. I didn't do any of that. I just, I just sucked it up, pause, and, and dealt with it. I just sucked it up and dealt with it. And on one side, it was like, oh, that's terrible. That's terrible. But there's, there's something really strange and, you know, quite sick (laughs) about the fact that yeah, it does hurt, but then there are some good points to it, I would say. I don't know if I would call it good points, but there are some parts that um, that kind of help to smooth things over a little bit. There are some moments that help things smooth over a little bit. Like when you hear others say how dependable you are, I would hear people say, oh, she's so dependable. You're so dependable. And you're so loyal. We can count on you. We can always count on you. I can always count on you to be here. If there ain't nobody else to help out, I can always count on you to be that help. You know, you're such a great person. You're such a good team player. You know, even leading on at certain activities or events, you would get all these accolades about how well you're able to carry yourself and how well you're able to carry everyone else's stuff. And those same accolades and 
thank yous and you're amazing type of things, those compliments would help to mask the fact that my cup was running empty. They would mask it. So instead of me taking a moment to go and refill my own cup, I would try to fill it with with the accolades. I would try to fill it with the accolades and it was just not doing. It was just not, you know, it wasn't it wasn't hitting the same. <laughs> it wasn't hitting the same. And so you could say I was definitely settling for less. All while telling others to never settle. I encouraged others to go out for their dreams. You know, go after your dreams relentlessly. At the same time, I'm doubting my very own. You know, I'm telling them not to wait for love, but to give that stuff to them. Give that love to them every day. Don't wait on love. Give it to yourself every day. You know, whatever love means to you, bring that to you every single day. And yet there I was attacking myself behind closed doors, often biting off way more than I could chew. You know, not treating my body like the temple that it is. No longer speaking words of affirmation or giving acts of service, which is just doing nice things for yourself. And these are some of my most valued love languages, the most valued love languages. I wasn't carving out any quality time for myself to do small things like my nails or write a poem, to read a book or purchasing some flowers for myself. Like, sure, I can get them as a gift from somebody else, but that's not that wasn't what I saw that's not what I found my most enjoyment with I found the most enjoyment of being able to go and get some of these things on my own and I found this enjoyment years ago not only to add fresh flowers to my room uh, because I like decorations and all that which I, I love but also as a reminder that this life my life as it is can still be beautiful and celebrated and that I have something to look forward to and that I could bloom wherever I'm planted. And the, looking at the flower reminds me of that. And just those are the things that used to make me so happy. They used to make me smile for no reason. The same way a wife would smile, you know, weirdly <laughs> if her husband walked in the door with flowers just because it's Tuesday. The same excitement that she would feel, the same amount of amazing that she would vibrate off of in that moment is what I would feel in a day where I get to walk into a florist shop and get me a bouquet of flowers and then go back home and then cut them and prep them in, in some water and just sit them there, look at them, admire them, smell them, take a picture of them and just feel like I'm in my glory. I loved those things and I had stopped doing those things. Now, the main reason I sat back and even thought about addressing the topic of seedless grapes, also known as hypocrites, was because everything I just said, I had straight up become one. I had straight up become one. The one thing that I despise the most, probably the most in this world, besides narcissism, narcissism, which I believe the the two, you know, they're like one and the same. But I definitely have become one. And it made me think about how many times we all have allowed someone or someone's or something or life in general to make us believe we had to play a role instead of actually being our raw organic selves. I know many of us think we're helping others by putting on a game face, (laughs) 
I thought too. I thought that too. But imagine how many more would we help? I mean, really help. Not this self-righteous movement crap that says, oh, honey, I'm better than you because I've learned to be unbothered. Cap, okay? Cap. Because no one, no one in real life is unbothered. Everyone has their own kryptonite. I think anyone who's watched the most recent verses with Omarion and Mario, we all learn, even the old man himself can be bothered. Everybody on this earth, everyone, okay? And it's only a matter of how long it takes you to name yours or how well you've learned to control your reaction to it, but everyone has a kryptonite. Nobody is walking scot-free in this world. And don't let anybody tell you any different either, because I know how the world is. Like, everyone likes to make you believe that, you know, you're sensitive or you're bugging or you're tripping or you're crazy or you're whatever. You know, you're mad or you're this and you're bothered. And everybody's bothered by something, by something. We may not all get to see each other's thing that bothers us most. Some of us are more vocal about it than others. Some some of us are um, more... Um, more transparent about it than others but trust me there are several 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 different triggers for several of us i would dare say all of us have some type of trigger okay and we would be so much better off if we started just keeping our authentic selves triggers and all as a person existing amongst the masses it's okay to admit that you're hurting to someone who's usually smiling. Okay, I know a lot of people have a, a thing about that, myself included. I used to not want to disturb someone's smile with my reality. When someone would ask me with a smile, how am I doing? And I would hesitate to answer because I don't want to say the wrong thing and make their smile go down. But it's okay to be honest. It is okay. Because you never know. That person may be hurting too. Their smile could be their trauma response. And you let being honest with them and letting them know, listen, it's kind of hard for me right now. You're giving them permission to also let it out. And likewise, it's okay to admit that you're happy if you really are happy to someone who says that maybe they're hurting in this moment. Believe it or not, it's actually inspiring to know that there can be smiles at the end of a rainstorm. <laughs> it's just all in how you manage the conversation. You don't have to make believe you're doing so bad just to try to identify with my pain. No, I don't want you to necessarily bring your own life down. If your life is at a if you're at a sunny spot, be at your sunny spot. And then just tell me how you got there from from where your your last unsunny spot was. Because that's inspiring. That's a story I want to hear. That's a, that's a story I need to hear. I need to know how you went from where I am right now to being where you are right now. I need to know that. I want to know that. We've got to get rid of this assumption that we have about others that says that's always them. That's just how they are. Even if it's not said with a negative connotation, because I know it's not always said in that way, right? Sometimes you're just looking at your people and you're like, well, that's the strong one or that's the always positive one. But I don't even really like that because it helps us to es escape um, accountability. 
and actually having to have compassion for those people because we look at them as the strong one or the always positive one. When it's time to actually take some accountability to have compassion for them, we abandon it by saying, yeah, they can handle it because they always do. So all in all, I'm saying don't be seedless, okay? Don't be a seedless grape. We all were given purpose, a measure of gifts, talents, and even some wisdom. But we also all come with our own shortcomings, deficiencies, and insatiable insecurities. We are not always right. I am not always right. We don't always hit the mark of excellence. And to demand such from others, especially knowing what we struggle with ourselves, is just, is just unfair and unrealistic. If I struggle with unforgiveness, how can I teach you how to give someone another shot? I don't even know how to give someone another shot. Not genuinely. I struggle with it. If I'm struggling with my own confidence, how can I inspire you to stand 10 toes down in yours? When you got the same insecurities that I have, I have the same insecurities that you have. We need to be seeking out somebody who has overcome some of these insecurities so that we can both be inspired by them. But for me to tell you that you have no right to feel insecure about that when I know that I too, I too feel insecure about that. And if I'm not honoring my own value, if I don't hold enough reverence for myself, if I don't practice discipline in my own life to the point where even <laughs> even my body now is showing that, then why would I expect anyone else to treat me in a way that I haven't been treating myself? Before I end, I just want to say, be beautifully you. Allow others the space to be them, yes. But protect your peace. Give quality time to take care of your mental health. Shower yourself with true, affirmative, edifying, loving, encouraging words that will have you to be the person you were purposed by God to be. Instead of the persona that you were elected by people or your own trauma to become. Well, this is another episode with Uncork. Thanks for popping in. We'll chat again soon.